Chapter thirty five of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty five The Call Beyond receiving reports from Kennedy and Banks, who in the interval rode into town and rode out again on their separate and silent ways, Whispering Smith for two days seemed to do nothing. Yet instinct keener than silence kept the people of Medicine Bend on edge during those two days, and when President Buck's car came in on the evening of the second day, the town knew from current rumors that Banks had gone to the Frenchman ranch with a warrant on a serious charge for Sinclair. In the President's car, Bucks and McLeod, after a late dinner, were joined by Whispering Smith, and the president heard the first connected story of the events of the fortnight that had passed. Bucks made no comment until he had heard everything. And they rode Sinclair's horses, he said, in conclusion. Sinclair's horses, returned Whispering Smith, and they are all accounted for. One horse, supplied by Rebstock, was shot where they crossed Stampede Creek. It had given out, and they had a fresh horse in the willows, for they shot the scrub half a mile up one of the canyons near the crossing. The magpies attracted my attention to it. A piece of skin a foot square had been cut out of the flank. You got there before the birds? It was about an even thing, said Smith. Anyway, we were there in time to see the horse. And Sinclair was away from the ranch from Saturday noon till Sunday night? A rancher living over on Stampede Creek saw the five men when they crossed Saturday afternoon. The fellow was scared and lied to me about it, but he told Wickwire who they were. Now, who is Wickwire? asked Bucks. You ought to remember Wickwire, George, remarked Whispering Smith, turning to McLeod. You haven't forgotten the Smoky Creek wreck. Do you remember the tramp who had his legs crushed and lay in the sun all morning? You put him in your car and sent him down here to the railroad hospital, and Barnhart took care of him. That was Wickwire. Not a bad fellow, either. He can talk pretty straight and shoot pretty straight. How do I know? Because he has told me the story, and I've seen him shoot. There, you see, there's one friend that you never reckoned on. He used to be a cowboy, and I got him a job working for Sinclair on the Frenchman. He has worked at Dunning's and other places on the Crawling Stone. He hates Sinclair with a deadly hatred for some reason. Just lately, Wickwire set up for himself on Little Crawling Stone. I've noticed that fellow's ranch, remarked McLeod. I couldn't leave him at Sinclair's, continued Whispering Smith, frankly. The fellow was on my mind all the time. I felt certain he would kill Sinclair, or get killed if he stayed there. And then, when I took him away, they sprang Tower W on me. That's the price, not of having a conscience, for I haven't any, but of listening to the voice that echoes where my conscience used to be, said the railroad man, moving uneasily in his chair. Bucks broke the ash from his cigar into the tray on the table. You're restless tonight, Gordon, and it isn't like you, either. It's in the air. There's been a dead calm for two days. Something is due to happen tonight. I wish I could hear from Banks. 
He started with the papers for Sinclair's yesterday while I went to Oroville to sweat Carg. Blood poisoning has set in, and it's rather important to us to get a confession. There's a horse. He stepped to the window. Coming fast, too. Now I wonder. No, he's gone by. Five minutes later a messenger came to the car from the wickiup with word that Kennedy was looking for Whispering Smith. Bucks, McLeod, and Smith left the car together and walked up to McLeod's office. Kennedy, sitting on the edge of the table, was tapping his leg nervously with a ruler. Bad news, Gordon. Not from Ed Banks. Sinclair got him this morning. Whispering Smith sat down. Go on. Banks and I picked up wickware on the crawling stone early, and we rode over to the Frenchman. Wickwire said Sinclair had been up at William's Cache the day before, and he didn't think he was home. Of course I knew the Cache was watched, and he wouldn't be there long, so Ed asked me to stay in the Cottonwoods and watch the creek for him. He and Wickwire couldn't find anybody home when they got to the ranch house, and they rode down the corral together to look over the horses. Whispering Smith's hand fell helplessly to the table. Rode down together? For God's sake, why didn't one of them stay at the house? Sinclair rode out from behind the barn and hit Wickwire in the arm before they saw him. Banks turned and opened on him, and Wickwire ducked for the creek. Sinclair put a soft bullet through Banks' shoulder, tore it pretty bad, Gordon, and made his getaway before Wickwire and I could reach the barn again. I got Ed on his horse and back to Wickwire's, and we sent one of the boys to Auroville for a doctor. After Banks fell out of the saddle and was helpless, Sinclair talked to him before I came up. "'You ought to have kept out of this, Ed,' he said. "'This is a railroad fight. Why didn't they send the head of their own gang after me, naming you?' Kennedy nodded toward Whispering Smith. "'Naming me? Banks says I'm sheriff of this county and will be for a long time yet.' "'I took the papers from his breast pocket,' continued Kennedy. "'You can see where he was hit.' Kennedy laid the sheriff's packet on the table. Bucks drew his chair forward, and with his cigar between his fingers, picked the packet up and opened it. Kennedy went on. Ed told Sinclair, if he couldn't land him himself, that he knew a man who could, and would before he was a week older. He meant you, Gordon. And the last thing Ed told me was that he wanted you to serve the papers on Sinclair. A silence fell on the company. One of the documents passing under Buck's hand caught his eye, and he opened it. It was the warrant for Sinclair. He read it without comment, folded it, and looking at Whispering Smith, pushed it toward him. Then this, I guess, Gordon, belongs to you. Starting from a reverie, Whispering Smith reached for the warrant. He looked for a moment at the blood-stained caption. Yes, he said, this, I guess, belongs to me. End of chapter 35